This is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been yeah. This is the Black Country Blokes, chewing the fat with me, Kev Dylan and Aaron Jew. Now, just before we start, I'd just like to give my deepest, our deepest condolences to um, Prince Philip. Um, and even if you're not a royalist, even if you don't like the man, you've got to think, a wife no longer, no longer has a husband, children no longer have a, a dad, grandparents don't have it. So let's have that bit of compassion, you know, for a man who's lost his life. I'd also live, like to give um, an RIP to a, a hip-hop legend, DMX who had a heart attack and left him brain damage and unfortunately he's lost his life. He was one of my heroes growing up, one of the best rappers of the 90s, so all right. So today, what we're going to be talking about, freedom. <laughs> Let's call it freedom. Yeah, uh, of, of, of the now. Because <laughs> uh, the club's been allowed to open now. So we stick to all the restrictions, although we can now do the pads outside, which has been bloody lovely having that contact with people. I feel like we're getting back to boxing. But it's funny, driving through Kings Winford yesterday, it's funny seeing some pubs, the beer gardens are chock-a-block, and others aren't. And it made me think, I think we're going to have a demographic of like your teenagers, your 20s, who go to the pub for obvious reasons, to mingle, to pull, to socialise. And then I think, like, the 60, 70-year-olds, when they're laid back in, they will go, because that's... Their pub family, where they go to talk to you, the fact what we're all saying. But I think the people in their 30s and 40s who've possibly got children and who, you know, like I can't wait for to have you and the missus around my garden. And I think our kind of age will kind of do that, have the people you want to drink with, with no hassle, but cheaper in a safe environment. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's also um, an anxiety about getting back out there as well. I think we've touched on this quite a few times. I think lockdown three was the toughest one for probably most people. And there is that level of going out and mingling again. But I've been at Wolverhampton the last few days, up and down, just driving uh, with the car and stuff. And every pub and beer garden I've seen, it's been absolutely chock-a-block. And obviously on the social media and stuff in London and places like that, it's, it's heaving essentially. So it's strange. I mean, I'm not, I've not obviously drove around here and stuff, but for myself, I'm excited to get out there, but there's also that I wasn't waiting for day one, if that makes sense. I think on day one, which is yesterday, I was more excited about going to the gym, something that, you know, I've missed. And then I'm so sore today. I haven't moved. So literally, I've just been a cabbage today, but hopefully back on it tomorrow. But yeah, it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to. But be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, this that was the last permanent lockdown. You know, fingers crossed. That's what I say. Are we free? You know, how, for, how long are we free for? That's kind of, again, the added anxiety to the back of our heads. Like, I keep saying, like, two things I want to say about that. Like, human beings are brilliant at adapting, but when we're mm. having to adapt from week to week, from day to day, we're never really sure what's going on. And me being, like, a social butterfly, I I love people. I love being around people. But, like, with the club opening yesterday, I've gone from seeing um, my wife, my daughter, my next-door neighbour, mum and dad at arm's distance and all this, to going into a gym full. You do. You're having it. Like, I was having, like... Um, Almost palpitations before I got there because I was thinking, 
and then you feel almost ashamed. You go, but why on earth are you frightened to go in somewhere you've missed and you love and you love everyone there? But it's having that feeling of, am I going to deal with it? Am I still going to be the same care? But once I'm on stage, boom, it all goes away. But it's the fear we put in our heads before the actual occurrence. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think that's the same for anyone. I think, when, like you said, you get isolated. And as human beings, we adapt so quickly. That's one of our superpowers, whether it's in adversity or whether it's in comfort. We can become very, very lazy. We can become very, very disciplined all of a sudden as well. And I think going back into that circle now is difficult. I was going to actually ask you as well in relation to the boxers. So I can't imagine what it's like for a boxer, for example, who's dedicated a lot of their life or their time sacrificing evenings to fight and then all of a sudden having a year out now i know we've had some great boxers who box for you know in the olympics and abas on on this show but even your club at, at the lions how have they dealt with that because for myself i've always seen boxing as a kind of very short career providing that you know you stay safe throughout that but young kids you're losing almost a year of experience and i know how much you can grow within a year of experience so how they come back to that have, have you seen you know, full turnout, how have they felt in, like anxiety-wise? It's funny, like, because we, from yesterday, I was led to do the pads outside from, I think, last week, the week before tomorrow. I've got no, um, no, no pinpoint of reference anymore. Weeks are the same. But kids hadn't done the pads for a year. And boxing's not like playing football, where I can play wall, like kicking the ball against you know, dad and son or mom and son or son and daughter can kick the ball at each other. Boxing is like not many other sports. You, you, you're in there hitting someone and they're hitting you. And that, So we've gone from doing boxing to boxer size. Yeah. And there's a massive difference between that because you, you want to be in there hitting and being hit and surviving and reflexes. But when you've had a year of on and off shadow boxing, being on the bags, not even able to go, Aaron, put your, put your back on those yeah, for yeah. you. Oh, no, you haven't had anything like that. And then don't forget, we lose most of our boxers from the age of 16 to 18 because mom and dad aren't taking them no more. They've started working, they've started out drinking, they've started out getting a missus and your first love like any other love and because you love that person, you're going to be with them forever. So you lose them naturally at that age. But when they haven't had 12 months and you're thinking, well, instead of going to the park with... Kev or going to the pub with Aaron or I dedicate myself to the sport when the sport's taken away it's very difficult and I, I think this with um, coaches and officials sports people will always have sports people I hope so anyway I hope they'll always be amateur boxing because boxers will always want to do it but we will lose the coaches and the officials because they've got used to how many times uh, Aaron and Rima are getting married and they go oh you're coming Kev and I go yeah 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 have a phone call. Sorry, I've got to take off from my boxing. Sorry, I've got to take so-and-so boxing. So then Katie, we've got to go on a roll or not go at all. And I think a lot of us coaches from the volunteer circuits all around, you actually start thinking, well, you know what? I love my missus. Why am I finishing work at five o'clock, rushing up the club, going out, taking Jasmine here, taking Darren there? You don't, you know what I mean? You will always love your boxers more than I will love you because you do it for them. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's amazing how many people have got um, short-term memories. And when they go pro, when they go here, they leave you. You know, the coach is the only constant thing in the club. Everyone else comes and goes, and that's up to them. That's their, that's their journey. 
But I think what we're going to lose is the coaches and the, the volunteers. And unfortunately, when you lose the coaches, the volunteers, whatever sector it is, you lose the role models. And I said this before, we're going to have a generation of, uh, of children who are either agrophobic, germophobic, tech heads sitting there on the phones, on the gadgets. But then you'll also have the street kids, and we'll always have street kids. But if the street kid hasn't got a role model, who becomes his role model? The gangster, the drug dealer, the, the roughens. And all that kid wanted was love, but now he's got himself into a whole different world where there is no love in that world. I know many people have been in that world. They pretend they love you, but they're just waiting to throw you under the bus to save their own back. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting you say that. I was just, as you, as you were saying in the beginning part of that, I was thinking in relation to the coaches, who are essentially the foundation really for hopefully bringing up a better community or people that have a purpose and discipline. You know, discipline is a word I associate with boxing. It's funny because you learn actually how to throw hands and protect yourself, but you're least likely to ever do that in an altercation. If anything, you just want to get out of, out of there. But it's it's more of a priority thing, I, I suppose. You guys as coaches, you're selfless in terms of that's your priority. And I think we have to just accept through whatever journey in life it is, it's never probably a number one priority for the majority of people. Hence why, you know, they'll, they'll choose that first level of your life or drinking and socialising and stuff. But yeah, it would be a shame. And I think not just boxing, I think across the board, there's going to be so many different areas where we're going to lose a lot of those foundational things just because of the way the world is. And we again, I feel like, I think I feel like my anxiety is adapting now to the new world in terms of we're always going to potentially have masks, for example. I know I would. I'd almost feel that I get that anxiety of how are people perceiving me if I've got a runny nose. I mean, you know me, Kev, I've always had a runny nose ever since I've known you, but I don't want them to think I've got COVID, for example. So I'll have that heightened level to always have my mask or you know I can't just nip nip to the corner when it's safe to do so so I think there's so many different facets of us now having to try and adapt to this and I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago that it's about now one not taking nothing for granted but two in terms of I don't even know the right word in terms of how, how we how we come out of this is, is what I'm trying to say I'm stumbling on my words a little bit here but it's just kind of the whole anxiety of coming out with it into a into a new almost like a new society if that makes sense and i've been alive for 34 years but it, i do feel that so like i said today i've been i've been indoors all day other than dropping the car off and bringing it back i should be out again and i need, I need to kind of change that what did you find in the first lockdown yeah we had the weather but every day we consciously made sure we did something even yeah. if it was just yeah walking a five minute walk you know what come on guys we're going for a walk it's raining never mind let's go for a walk and then through each lockdown, yeah, the weather's got worse and whatever. But you've, you've can I be bothered to do a couple of push-ups? Mm. Can I be bothered? And it's, oh, I've walked around that same bloody field 200 times in the last year. I can't be bothered. And what I'm looking forward to, I, I'm not going to do it this weekend, I'm not going to do it next weekend, we start having adventures again where me and the girls can go stroke some animals. We can start doing things. But then you also, I remember the first time after the first lockdown, we went to Dudley Zoo. And uh, we were there and we were queuing to see, I don't know, some kind of animal. And we were being polite, you know, you're queuing. And we finally got there. And a guy stood right next to me. And my heart's beating from my chest. And I went, I come to the zoo with you. And I went, no, we're going to piss off. And he went, oh, well, what do you mean? Because what we've got now is we've got some people who don't give a monkey's. 
And then we've got some people who are very, very frightened. But a lot of the time, we don't respect the other person. And I think whatever way we've gone through this, it's like with the vaccine. Some people are so conspiracy theories, you're an idiot if you take it. Then you've got someone going, you're an idiot if you don't take it. Whereas my thing is, I will do what makes me comfortable. And I won't be bullied into it either either. And I think we've got to have that understanding of respecting people's rights, but don't. If you see someone who stood in a queue giving a large gap, that means that person doesn't want to get close to you. So if that person's left the big gap in front, don't come and stand right by them because that might make that person feel uncomfortable. So just respect one another and pick up on those signs. This person doesn't want me to get close to them, so I'm going to be kind and I'm going to step back. No, absolutely. And I think as, as somebody who naturally overthinks and somebody who lives with anxiety, where overthinking pretty much comes with a part, part and parcel, that's always in my head as well. I'm almost overthinking what people are doing or the way that they're acting. And that in itself is just drains my energy, if that makes sense. For example, I'm always conscious of how I am or if I've sniffed or sneezed and stuff. And I think it's just adapting to that. Like, like I said, we adapt very, very quickly. I think in three or four months, if we're all just, you know, things are starting to open up and we're not going back into a lockdown, I think 12 months time, we may just completely forget about it. You know, we'll all be hugging each other and rubbing shoulders in cues. But I think initially there is that level of some people are, you know, every, everyone's gone through a tough time. Some people are dealing with it better than other people and some people may somebody may have lost somebody for example you know i think we've all lost somebody over the last 12 months that in itself frightens you and i use the analogy that i remember when i first passed my driving test and i used to get really angry well that's not probably the right word agitated with really slow elderly drivers and i mean that respectfully i just feel i it used to frustrate me obviously i was you know i was trying to hit as many miles per hour as i could i wasn't a speeder as per se but if it's 40 i want to be driving at least 40 and i remember until i had a little knock and i think my mom had an accident it was only then I had that empathy and compassion towards people thinking, well, we don't know what that person's actually been through. Maybe they've had a knock, for example, or maybe you know they, they, they were scared off the road, for example. And I think you touched on a good point there. We need to now have that level of compassion with every single person in terms of how they're reacting to almost like a new world again. I know I'm using that word again, and hopefully it's not completely different. But essentially, until you've been in something, it's difficult to to express and feel that, if that makes sense. And it's like with people saying, oh, look at all these going to the pub, look at all. But some people, if this had been me before yeah. I got with Kate, You'd and I'd have to sit in my old council flat upstairs, bounce off the walls, I would have been the first person in that pub without a shadow of a doubt. Because the Lions is a family. But some people haven't got the Lions for a family and they haven't got the Dillons of the family and they haven't got the Jews of the family. So they go to the pub to see old Ron and old Percy, because I'd say that you go, oh, bloody, he's in the pub every day, but he's gone there to socialise. He might be sat there, not getting paralytic, sipping his mild throughout the day, you know, and that he's gone there to see his pub family. So not, let's not just think, oh, they're all bloody yobs. And we're so eager to judge instead of thinking that might be the first conversation face to face that old guy or that young guy or that young woman or old woman, that person has had in 12 months. I think that's such a great point, Kev. I think, I think we've all probably had that judgment. We've all probably thought a judgment of some, some sort. 
Um, and you're right, it's it's people's releases. I couldn't wait yesterday to get to the gym. That was my that was my little bit. I know that instantly when I, when I go to the gym, I'm less anxious in the day. I feel in control, like I've controlled an element of my day. And I think, you know, somebody could say from the outside, well, do you need to mix in with the gym? When when I went to the gym, it was chock-a-block. I mean, you're literally getting people within a meter of each other. It was really busy, but I needed to do that. That's, the last three months have been, not hell, but it's been very difficult in terms of not having that facility. And I think you're right. You know, the pub is a place where a lot of people socialize. I'd love it if, you know, if it was... One of the things I don't do, and, I, and you probably know this when we've had a few drinks, I don't like actually sitting in beer gardens, funnily enough. I'm always cold. I always catch a cold. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, always, I'm, more, cold. I'm always cold. So I'm always want <laughs> rather be inside. So for me, I'm kind of waiting until they open the indoors. And then, mate, I'll be there pretty much on, on the first day to kind of have that socialising, meeting everyone. But at the minute, I'm thinking, I don't want to be sitting there, you know, in my, in my coat, in my woolly hat and stuff. But, yeah, I think that's a great point that we have to just try and put ourselves in other people's shoes, which is difficult. I understand that. But I think less judgment, essentially. And just think, look, because the, the, the first vaccine has gone out so well to so many of mm-hmm. our parents and older generation. But I've known people who have been petrified for 12 months. And then because I had the first jab, or maybe the second jab, they're now thinking, you know what, put your gum shield, let's get out there. Because I haven't been able to go shopping, my son, my daughter, my neighbour has done my shopping for me. But all of a sudden, now I've had my first one, and hopefully the second, okay, it's now or never. And so they have been able to go to the shop, so they have been able to go to Mary Hill, so they have been able to go to wherever, at the pub, the beer, wherever it is. Because they've had to, deep breath, let's go. It's even now or never. And hopefully the vaccine, whether you believe it or not, that's up to you, will give people confidence to maybe take that first step into getting back to some kind of normal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be completely transparent here. In terms of the, the vaccine um, itself, I always feel like I'll be that person. So from the outside, you know, I go to the gym a lot. I try and keep my waist down. I, tr- I try and be as healthy as possible but i also know my immune system is absolutely pants in terms of I'm always ill always catching a cold like i'm guaranteed to be ill at least once a week and and i've kind of got that image in my head and, I'm, and the thing is the more i have that image in my head the more i build it up to make out it's real is that i'm going to be that person when it's fit personal instructor dies from the, from the covid uh vaccine essentially you know because you know there's probably one in i don't know i don't know the statistics probably one in a million for example where you've had adverse effects and i always feel like is that going to be me? But then at the same time, on your point, I am at that moment where I'm taking that deep breath in terms of I've just got to go and take it. Because if I want to go and travel and if I want to do stuff and, and be able to mingle, because I think the passport might be, in, you know, might be inevitable, essentially, then I've just got to do it. So I'm bracing myself for it. I've got no sort of, I'm not like a conspiracy theory or any, anything like that, thinking about anything like that. I'm thinking about doing it. It's just that I have my own anxieties with it because I just feel like, how is it going to react to my body? My body doesn't react to the temperature in Kings Winford. So how is how, it going to react to putting this thing in, inside myself? And I think that's quite common for a lot of people. And especially when you hear that one story of so-and-so's had it and then something's happened to him. It, it kind of just adds to that fear that you've got in your head. I personally, what I'm offered, I'll take it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. That, that's because I, if it's going, I'm going to get it. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've survived many enjoys. Yeah. Uh, fibromyalgia I've got this and I'm thinking I, I am just a walking disaster and at first I was thinking I won't and I'm thinking you know what I will and there's always going to be people who have a reaction to penicillin there's always going to be someone who has a reaction to 
all these things. Like I remember when I I talked to people and they they were very um they didn't want to have meningitis vaccine, but I had meningitis and it took my eyes. So when I had a child, I was guaranteed she was going to have it, but that was my and my wife's decision. And I think we've got to be allowed to make our own decisions. And I think it's like you're a Man U fan, aren't you? But if 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 you have someone going, oh Man United, you should support the Wolves. You should put behave just, just because it's shouting at you. Is it going to change your opinion? Yeah. So allow people to have their opinion, but you haven't got to force it down someone's throat. It's like if I say, oh, you've got a boxing. That kickboxing's rubbish. You want it? Why? Allow you to make your decisions, and I think I think we've had so much fear thrown at us for the last twelve months on every sector. If you, I remember the first lockdown, it was like something out of The Walking Dead, wasn't it? You'd walk out, and I was expecting zombies to be against the glass. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, bloody, I keep rubbing my eyes, thinking, is this real? Then we'd go for a walk, and there wouldn't be a car on the roads, mm, and mm. and you know if. Um, you know, I was catering shopping, and then she was literally stripping off by the door, scrubbing herself, running up. We clean everything, and that's how front we were. But our subconscious is a giant sponge, so everything that's coming out, it's catching it. Then our conscious goes, you know what? I think that's a load of nonsense, or I believe that. But our subconscious for the last twelve months has just absorbed death, fear, illness, death. Fear, illness, if you touch your nan, you're going to kill her. If a football comes, don't kick it back because you'll kill that kid or he's trying to kill you. So even if we don't realise it, our head has been royally screwed up. And I, I wish there was just a bit more good news out there. That reminds me we're coming on ITV very soon to keep guys open. Because mm-hmm. we need more good news out there. Because yeah. every... You know, if you if you look for it, there's a miracle on every street, in every cul-de-sac, in every city. But we don't hear about it. We yeah. just hear about, oh, did you hear about him stabbed? Did you hear about him molested? Did you hear? We're aware it's going on and it's terrible. But we need a bit more good light to get us through the dark days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great segue, actually. You briefly just mentioned it there, Kev. If you want to just segue into some of the good news, because we have got some good news, obviously, for the Black Country blokes. Well, the Black Country Blokes were coming on ITV uh, sometime this month. We're also looking at being, doing some um, some uh, public speaking with some companies. But the other two big bits of news, I'm not allowed to say just yet, but they will be coming out in May. So it's going to be very big news, all positive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, positive, positive. And that's all we can end up, isn't it? I love yeah. to say, in fact, I'll save my saying to the end. But we're also doing our men's support group uh, every Wednesday, 7 pm till 9 pm at the club. And from tomorrow, we are going to be able to do, thank you, Aaron. From tomorrow, we're also going to be able to do a little bit of training. So we'll go upstairs, we'll do half an hour. How have you been? How's your week? Then we're going to go down. Everyone's unfit. And we're going to do a little bit of boxing. One minute rounds, learn how to do boxing stance and on the bags. No contact, none of that. Just releasing them endorphins. Because as human beings, we're animals. Sometimes it feels great just to eat something and just go, what that out my system. Because how many times I've been there and go, um, Eddie and Kate, oh, my old wife's doing me, Eddie. 
you hit the bags and you go, you know, it ain't cake, I'm just frustrated. I'm just taking it out on earth to look so. So we're going to do a bit of both. And if you don't want to do the boxing, don't feel like you've got to. You'll be able to stand up, uh, stay upstairs with one of our other volunteers because we, we want you to find your medicine, be it talking, the boxing, whatever it is. And if you don't like ours, then turn up to cares, do us there every Monday. You know, there's so much help out there. Have the courage to ask for it and even more courage to accept it. Absolutely. Beautifully said. And I think that's one of the best things that's come out of this lockdown, at least for ourselves, in terms of uh, the Black Country Blokes, uh, the podcast, in terms of where we're taking it. And hopefully that just shows anyone listening or watching that through what, what, we, what we never saw in the Black Country Blokes when we started it was how big it can potentially be now. You know, we spoke just before we went live here and if, the, if, the, if we get the ripple effect and the butterfly effect of essentially what the things that are going to com come into play in the next few months, it, it can be beyond all of our expectations. But it started with a sincere heart. It started with a sincere message, but it was consistency and it was about being, being ourselves. I mean, even today, I think I've stumbled on my words about 30, 40 times, but it's about just trying to, trying to be ourselves as much as possible, but also trying to show the truth of what it's like for for you know men women you know navigating this world and we've kind of in a way as much as i if i could go back i wouldn't want this to happen we've been able to navigate our podcast through a, a moment of history essentially like the last 12 months to come out with some positive news and that's obviously what we want to share with you know the, the listeners and the people watching this show is that there's some great stuff coming out now and again we want to try and promote that that positive that positive message essentially of hope. I think hope is always the underlying thing here. The reason we speak about these things is the fact that we might be doing public speaking now. That used to frighten the hell out of me. Do you know what I mean? Like three or four years ago, for example, the fact that I'm having to speak openly, I could speak to you, Kev, one-on-one, -on -one, but we're openly discussing any of our anxieties or any of our insecurities or overthinking live on the internet for anyone, anyone to potentially judge or say whatever. And I think that's a big growth aspect of not just the show but in ourselves so we're grateful that people obviously listen but more so for what's in store it's, it's really exciting it's just i'm just hoping they all hit how we think they're going to hit but, but but if it doesn't you know even where we are now i just think it's it's just amazing it's thanks to you know the people that listen so thank you to anyone who is listening as well but uh watch this space it's going to be really exciting and i think like me and lee have often said it's like a bit like a counseling session yeah you absolutely. know you're, you're sitting there talking and Hopefully, I mean, the feedback I have of people, it's uh, encouraging people to talk, even about your embarrassing bits and bobs. If you yeah. found a lump on your testicle or if you found this, or just talk about it. And I, I think that's the greatest lesson I've learned is being honest, because I'm a happier man now mm. than I was when I was, I don't know, in my 20s, when I looked a lot better. I was a lot physically better looking and everything. But I'm actually happy in my own body, may ever have been. So I'm just honest with myself. I talk to people I love. I promote positivity. I haven't got to pretend to be anything. I'm just you now Kevin Dillon or Kev Dillon. And I'm, you know, and I think the more we can do this, and I think you said it earlier, when we, I worry about what you think that I am thinking. <laughs> and you think that's a lot of effort. You know what I mean? But we, do it, yeah. Yeah. but we do it like, and that's like, people, won't, they won't come boxing and go, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, everyone's going to be looking at me. Everyone in that gym has gone there to train. 
They're not looking, they're going, boom, boom, oh, look at Aaron over there. Oh, doesn't he look silly? All they'll do is, Aaron, come here, champ. Let me, your feet's a bit crooked. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to allow ourselves to be vulnerable so we can grow. And it's what I'm always trying to explain to Jasmine, my daughter. Making mistakes is all right. If you can't get something right, it doesn't matter. It's just another way of learning. And don't be frightened of asking for help because daddy asked for, for help. Where's the toilets? Where's this? And I went, if you ask for help, then you can accept the help. And that, that's what you've got to do in life. You know, put yourself out there. And if you fail, you have your heart broken. My dad, it's an experience. You've learned by failing. And I say some of the greatest teachers I've ever had in life. I've had brilliant teachers like my dad and Big John and Mr. McKenzie at school. But I have had some appalling, appalling teachers. But I've learned just as much from the bad teacher as I have from the good teacher. Because by learning from the bad teacher, I said, I will never treat anyone how you've made me feel. So both ways were good ways for me to learn. And luckily, I've had both. Mm, yeah, well said, well said. I just want to touch on the, uh, the, the failing part as well. And I think growing up, failure is almost seen as a loss, essentially. Like the worst thing is it's good or bad and fail normally falls on that side. But there's a great little mantra that I used to always kind of recite in my head which was fail fast, fail often. And essentially, the quicker, so for example, if you just talk about a business, the quicker you can quickly fail and the more times you can do that, the more lessons you're given then on how not to do it and how you can potentially pivot. And it's the same with boxing. You know, if you, if you miss the pad, for example, okay, go again, don't, don't wait. Keep failing often until you essentially find out the right way of doing it, if that makes sense. So I think we should actually encourage I don't, I don't even like the word, but essentially encourage failing because it teaches you a lesson. It's something I learned in the property game. My first few projects, I was losing money and then I broke even. And it was only, and if it wasn't for those lessons, those painful lessons, I wouldn't have made all that money back on my subsequent properties afterwards. So I really encourage that. But it can, I know what it's like when you first have your failure, it can be almost discouraging to want to go again. But what, I, what Eric Thomas always says is, you've already experienced the pain now. Now, now learn something from it, gain something from that experience. And I think that's such a powerful thing that if you've already been in that level of adversity from that failure, you now have the opportunity to turn that into a win, essentially. Some of the best boxers we've ever had have lost the first couple. Mm. And they've come back and won ABA Champions Box for England, X, Y, and Z. If you have that kid who wins his first 10, 20 bouts, and he loses one, you'll never see him again. Yeah. I didn't like this. I'm used to going in and lamping everyone. So as you say, if you can have, I'm not encouraging you to go out there and lose your first one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if it happens, just go, I've learned now. Because I think the education system have done this wrong because everyone is a winner. We're playing football. You score 20 goals, but we both win. We need to know how to be gracious in defeat and humble in victory. So even if you thrash me 20 nil, you walk over and go, good game, careful. I'll go, next time, Aaron. I love you. You know, a bit of bit of jest. But we're not encouraged that. Or I win, then you win the next time. All right, Kev, if you want to win next time, you've got to train harder. We've got to teach our children how to lose and how to deal with it when you lose and when you've won, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's a good question, actually. How do you teach somebody how to lose? I know it's perspective. And obviously, as you're older, you can always think of, I mean, I, I think about boxing then. So for my for my journey, 
I think having that first loss, it, it threw me off. Not for the fact that I fear or that I'd lose again. It threw me off for the, the fact that I've just, that I'd lost something that I didn't think I should have lost, for example. And I didn't want that, that loss hanging over my head. I can't explain, I can't actually explain it. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of it We're live on this episode now, but I'm just thinking it broke me that first, that first failure. And I know, I know you're right in terms of saying if, if you win your first 10 fights, but then you lose something, you'll likely never see that kid again. But for me, I wasn't used to failing. And I think the first time I failed, it was that. I'm finding my words now. I failed. I didn't know how to react. And I kind of just disappeared. You know, I know, I, know okay, I came to you then, then we started training. And then it was, I was, it took me like a year, didn't it? To obviously train with yourself to get ready, focused and boxing again. But it was difficult. And I and that, that was at 25. I wish I was just used to failing earlier because because I'd never failed growing up. I was always passing my exams. Pretty much anything that I ever wanted, I could always wing it. I could spend a few moments on it and I'd always pass. I think that was one of the first things that was really important to myself that I actually failed at. And losing that was difficult. So yeah, if you can teach your kids, I don't know the answer for this, that actually failure is not a bad thing because I think growing up, whether it's mainly probably my teachers, always taught me that failure was a bad thing. And the moment it hit me in life, it, 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 just, it just took me off course, essentially. Did, did that make sense there, Kev? I was, yeah, I was trying to think about it at the same time. We need the right people around us. And one thing, like you're here so much in the boxing world is um, I was robbed. I was robbed. So what me and Aaron box now, it's a close about, mm-hmm. and Aaron wins. Then my family, my coach will go, you're robbed, you're robbed. Instead of going, it's a close about. If you'd have thrown more shots, you'd have been sat round. But when we're always saying we're robbed, and I've been to shows, and bloody hell, I've seen some daylight robbery. Don't get me wrong. However, if we're just blaming the officials, oh, he's good that against because he doesn't like the Lions. We get bitter with the game. We get bitter with the officials. Instead of going, it's a close, close bet, could have gone either way. However, if you'd have been that little bit fitter, or if you'd got back beyond your jab, or if you'd had a tie to God, put it constructively, then we'll keep learning. But when we're just negative about something that's already painful, it's like, oh, you'd have like, um, you've lost. You've lost a close bout or you've got lamped or you've whatever. You've lost your bout. And then everyone's around you and you're there, you're having a cry up. And they're going, oh, how'd you feel? How'd you feel? I'm thinking, I'm devastated. Let me go and have a cry or whatever your way is. I'll be back at the gym tomorrow. It's like if <laughs> your wife's having an affair, run off with your best mate and you go, oh, how'd you feel, Bert? You're like, oh, dreadful. My world has ended. And at that time, when you lose a contest, it is like your world's ended. Yeah. As dramatic as it sounds. So go and put your hand on Aaron. I'm here when you want to talk. You, you will know your boxer. Let them have their emotions. Make them go shake the other person's arm, whatever. Get that in the thing. Say, Aaron, good on you. Fair play. And let them have their emotions. But don't badger them. And what I also see sometimes going, oh, Aaron. Oh. Oh, your box terrible. Your box, and you, Aaron knows how we boxed. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? I would just say, Aaron, if it's Kev, Kev knows how we boxed. But you go, Kevin, oh, I'll tell you something. Terrible. Terrible. What what good is that doing? Once yeah. again, your wife's had an affair. Oh, I've probably had a small willy and uh, you never treated her right. Yeah. <laughs> My heart's broken here. <laughs> Why are you rubbing salt in the wound? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. I think I think a lot of that comes down to man management as well. Just I, I know it's difficult because obviously 
every circumstance, there's a different context to it. But for example, when I play football, on the first one, when I misplace a pass or I, you know, scuffed a shot, that swearing at myself, I mean, you don't want to even imagine the stuff that I say to myself. And I say it loud on the pitch. And it's got to the point now, obviously, playing with my circle of friends who know me for years. When I mess up, they don't, they don't ever say anything to me. One, I'm a confidence player. So I, I, I'm kind of like, I need an arm around the shoulder rather than you telling me that I've messed up because I'm already telling myself I've messed up. And I think when they realise that, I'm not... I'm actually my own biggest enemy in a football game. So actually what I, I tend to get is my friends on my team saying, lift your head up, let's go again. It doesn't matter. And that massively helps me. And again, this is obviously something that you, you probably do, well, I know you do amazingly in the coaching world, is knowing who you can say that to. But, but going back to your point, I don't think that's ever going to really help anyone <laughs> when you say that to them when they're in that devastated moment. Because, yeah, I know what it's like to lose a fight and it's the worst feeling ever. You literally feel like your world is over. I, mean, I don't even think I, I picked my trophy up. I think I just dashed it on the side and I just le I, I left the arena. I obviously have to say, in, um, you know, well done to everyone, but it was the worst feeling ever. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But I, from a coaching perspective and working with people, it's about knowing how, how to motivate them. And you should always think, is there any positive in what I'm saying? It's different saying, okay, next time, you know, we're going to work on your stamina, your endurance, for example. We're going to get behind the jab a little bit more. That's constructive, but rather than you know, just just almost being destructive, essentially. But you got like two, uh, you got two different people, and it's it's weird like trying to figure it out yourself. But like some people move towards pleasure. Aaron, we're one round away, son. We can do this. Just get behind your jab, and you know we're there. There's someone who moves away from pain. Are you gonna let him beat you today? Mm, Are you mm. honestly gonna let it? And you go, I'm my hell. But you talk to the one person the wrong way, you're doing ever so well. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll just take <laughs> Or you got the other one. Are you going to let him beat you? Are you, you little, and he could have a belly full of coin. Don't shout at me, kid. I'm having a bad. But you've got to know what lights that person's fire. And if you talk to the one the wrong way, either he, or he'll have a belly full, you've got to know your boxer. But one thing that never works for anyone is, you were crap. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I can't believe we're coming here today because you were shocking. Because what, what what has that done for anyone? Yeah. And and as, and I imagine as well, it works in phases as well in terms of one person could actually work with both of those methods. So, for example, there is a time where I, I need that fire as well. And yeah. I need it. So, for example, in the ring, are you going to let that person do that to you? Yeah. I need that. But not all the time, because obviously then it's it's over. It's it's finding the balance essentially, isn't it? As as with most most things in life, I think that's where that's where humans struggle because we're always trying to find that optimum balance, and it's just about accepting and knowing who you are essentially. I think this is like coming back to everything that's going on there. We've got to mm. we judge everyone on how we think, how we act. Yeah, that's the yeah. problem with the human species. I would never do that. I wouldn't go to the pool. I wouldn't go to the beach. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to the gym. I wouldn't. You don't know what that person's going through, and so I think that's the toughest thing that we've got to do at the moment. As long as they aren't directly affecting you, who really cares? You know what I mean? If they are going to the pool, don't get me wrong. If you're in a god, your garden, and massive house party next door, and they're effing Jeff and throwing, you know, that affects you. But if your neighbour is going to the pub, going to the gym, 
living his life or her life and it's having no impact on your life or they post something on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, why do I have to respond to it when it doesn't really have an impact on me anyway? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It, it, it's all perspective, isn't it? It's just perspective in terms of how, how we look at other people. I saw, um, I was listening to a, a podcast actually the other day, Eric Thomas, and he was speaking about the exact same thing in terms of we expect people essentially to act the way that we've acted. And most of the time, what we, the way we've acted is based on just our exposure in terms of the people around us or the lessons that we know. And we automatically assume that's the right way. But essentially, it's just our way, if that makes sense. So it's about being more open to other people, which, which yeah brings us back around to now when we go out, we just got to be more receptive to understanding why are people the way that they are and the way they're reacting because it's just it's been a completely different 12 months for every single one of us. Although we've all been confined to the same constraints in terms of being stuck in four walls, I think it's affected every single person differently. 100%. Whether you've been working, whether you've been able to, whatever it is, it's been a different whole year, isn't it? Yeah. Even if like, I've been working, so-and-so's been working, but I haven't been able to pop out. I haven't been able to go to a happy place. I haven't been able to do what I enjoy. And I think what I've taken from this, if the weather's a bit cloudy on the weekend, I'll go, come on, girls, let's jump in the car, let's go somewhere. If it rains, we'll go on to my drive. I want to spend more time with the people I really enjoy. And I love, and I'm, I'm going to make conscious effort to do that this time. Get off the hamster wheel and just think, you know what? Saturday, Sunday, let's do something. Yeah, I think we, we all made that promise three weeks ago and I've stuck to it. So I think when we were first allowed to do the uh, social distancing meetings, I think I've seen my family now three or four times. And it's something that hopefully, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't get complacent again, essentially. You know, how, how we, how we, adapt to things so yeah if there's anything you want to do just now's the time because before we come on to this episode it's not one for today we we're just speaking about how short life is and maybe that's an episode for a later day but yeah if there's anything that you were thinking in the last 12 months you wanted to do once you feel ready to do that you know and you're over the anxiety of going out and you feel safe enough to do so then, then by all means go and do it well bro i think i'll do it for today i think so bro so you got any calls kev I've got one I thought a bit halfway through. Good and man. it's just going to be just a simple one, but it's something that um, I've been trying to stick to myself over the last few years. And it's enjoy the good times and deal with the bad times. There's so many times we, we dwell on the bad times and we just skip through the good times. So enjoy the good times and deal with the bad times. So until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tarot of it. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.